Thank you. Good morning. How is everybody today? Yeah? You guys are looking progressively more sun-kissed and progressively more sunburnt, perhaps, like some of us. Yeah? Anyone always miss a spot? My son, my poor son, every summer he always has, like, triangles under his eyes because I don't want to get too close to his eyes, but then you can totally see the red. Anyway, so sunscreen, everybody, safety first, okay? Well, my name is Melody. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so glad you are here this morning. Uh, If you are visiting us and would like a little bit more information or something like that, you could fill out a Connect card um, and drop it in the offering box on your way out. You can also drop your offering on the way out, everybody. Isn't that convenient? Yeah? Um, Well, uh, just real quick, I'm just going to, we usually do giving last, but I'm just going to talk about giving first. You know, there is so many things that happen in and around this place. And like yesterday, yesterday uh, was a garden day, was a pantry day. And on these days, it's just full of life on here on campus. And there's so much going on. There's people that come just to see like, hey, I saw a lot of cars on the street. What's going on here? Oh, we're a pantry? Oh, sure. You want to you wanna check it out? You want to see? Here, give me your information. We'll, we'll have a conversation. Maybe you can help out next time. Oh, hey, you see a lot of people in the garden. Guess what? That garden is a part of New Song Church. What? It's, there's no fences around it? There's no, like, guard here posted? No, it's open. Uh, so many other things. There's student things happening this week. There's... There's ministry happening at, you guys know this, at the retirement center, at Charter Oak, um, in the hospitals, everywhere. And your giving, our giving together, contributes to all of those missions. Yes? Do you agree? And part of that, part of that mission that we are on is to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, which also means we want to please God with what we do with Lord lead me to do this thing. And part of our, our way we love and we serve God is by our giving. So whether you do that online, whether you do that in the foyer, whether you do that, you drop a check at the office, you mail it, whatever, just keep that in mind as, um, as we go on about our day and as you pray about all the stuff that is happening here uh, during the week. All right, can we do that together? Yes, amen, thank you. So. Uh, A couple things happening. We have lots of student things happening this week. So tonight, there is a high school girls Bible study at my house. So if you are a high school girl or just recently graduated high school girl, please see me about that. Uh, We are going to the beach on Wednesday, yeah? Who's going to the beach? Yeah? Come on, raise your hand. They're like, I don't know, mom. Are we going to the beach? Yes, you're going to the beach. Uh, we're going to the beach on Wednesday with students. Uh, speaking of sun-kissed and sunburned, let's see who comes back with the most of those things. Um, we are going down on Wednesday, leaving at 11, coming back here at 5. We're going to have dinner together. It'll be great. And then Friday, the Student Ministries has something called Fridays at the Trides. And that is the Trides. Linda and Peter Tridy open their home and they invite our student ministries kids to come and use their pool and just have a good time. So who wants to be in student ministries right now, right? We're going to the beach. We're going to the pool. Look at that pool. That's a really nice pool. So um, just pray again as student ministries continues on. And um, 
You know, summer is a really vibrant time for uh, connection and whatnot, so please keep the students in your prayers. Something that is happening here next week is that we begin our Summer of Love series. And this series, it's, uh, I think we've shared this a couple times, uh, when we are at Sandy Miss Retirement Center every week, we usually end with a song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible tells us so. Well, all of these are, oh yeah, how does it tell us so? What, how does scripture tell me so? How does Old Testament, New Testament tell me so? My conscience, my longings, the arts, my story tells me so. So how do all these things tell us that Jesus loves me this I know, yeah? You see how that works? So if you would like one of these postcards, uh, all, the, all the sermon series is outlined there for you on a postcard. You can grab it and just kind of um, keep on your fridge. You can also take this to maybe invite someone, um, or I always have some in my purse or in the car. And um, just the other day at the thrift store, a lady saw this and she's like, what's that? And I was like, it's a postcard to my church come. And she's like, those are really cool colors. May she come? I don't know, but at least it's in her hand. So um, those are just always great to have around. So anyhow, I am done for the morning. So let me pray for the rest of our morning here. And uh, let's continue on. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, just uh, being able to sit together and um, sing together and Lord, thank you just for every person that you have brought here this morning. Lord, I pray for Grant as he speaks, uh, that you would um, just bless the words that are coming out uh, of what his studies have uh, brought, what you have inspired him with this morning, Lord. I pray that our ears and our hearts would be open to hear it. We pray for our children who are across the way, Lord, um, for the teachers that are with them, for their little hearts and their little ears, Lord. I pray that uh, you would be with them as well. God, please, I pray for those who could not be here for one reason or another, uh, be with them this morning. And um, Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. So let me welcome up Grant, who you may not recognize because he is not wearing a black shirt today. Right. This is Pastor Grant. I don't know what came over me this morning. I looked in my closet and was like, black, 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 black. Hmm, colorful. Let's do that. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. Who else has got colors on today? Well done, everybody. We should, like, all wear the same clothes. People think we're a, people think we're a bit culty. Um... We're in Hebrews. Yes, yeah, Melody said, next week we start Summer Love. So this is the last message from Hebrews for a while, through the summer uh, until the fall when we will rejoin uh, our friends in Hebrews. But today we're in Hebrews chapter 10. If you have a Bible and want to follow along, chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Um, and it's kind of about what we're doing this morning. Very practical. Um, before Christmas last year, I did a really stupid thing. Um, I decided, as a generous act to a, a couple of students that we knew, knew who told us they didn't have a dining table for their home, we were like, we're going to get a new table, so we gave our dining table to these people and all our chairs, uh, and then we went to Ikea to try and find a table and various other places, and we couldn't find anything, so Christmas is coming, family is coming, we have no table, so I, I borrowed the table out of my office, and I 
disassembled it and took it home, and it had been in there all through Christmas, New Year, in fact, the entire year with plastic church chairs. But just a couple of weeks ago, we decided, just on a whim, let's go back to Ikea, we're going to find a table. So indeed, we did get a table, and we love it. Uh, You're always welcome around it, just so you know. Seriously, I'm not kidding. If you want to come sit around our table and have a cup of tea or whatever, that would be wonderful. We want, that's what our table's for, right? Um, But as I said, we went to Ikea for this table. So we came home, not with a table. What did we come home with? Bunch of boxes, right? Which then you have to empty out on your floor and styrofoam, which is fun with two cats and a dog, all this chaos. Because the cats want to go in the boxes, right? And the dog wants to tear everything up but also with a little booklet for assembly. The most important part, right, is this little book that tells you how to take this pile of boxes and make it a table. It's sort of like Lego for grown-ups, right? And it's at a time like this that we're reminded in our family who, like whom, likes to follow directions and who does not want to follow directions. And I'm not mentioning any names as to who that is. I'll leave that for you to guess. But I, I want to ask you, who here this morning would say they're in the follow the instructions camp? And who would say they're in the we'll figure out things as we go camp? And if we need the instructions, we will refer to them at some point, but it'll be fine. First thing you throw away. Right? So we've been, since January, working our way through this thing that we call Hebrews. It's a New Testament book. It's kind of like a very long sermon, like mine. Um, and, and we're in chapter 10 this morning, and, but in terms, so in terms of an instruction manual, if we think of it like that, at this point, we've only actually covered the section of the instruction manual that tells you all the different parts that you will use for assembly. You know, they say lay everything out and check that everything's there, and there's a phone number to call in case not everything's in the bags, right? So up to this point, we've done almost 10 chapters, and all we have discovered is what are the constituent parts? This author has taken a great meticulous time to outline all of these things. And he wants us to know that nothing is missing. Nothing is missing. We have one savior, one cross, one death, one resurrection, one great high priest, once for all. Nothing is missing. And now, if you have your Bible, or we're gonna see in a minute, He has this emphatic, therefore, after all this information, no no assembly necessary, not DIY, we have everything present that we need. And now, therefore, we will begin a practical response to all that we've been told that we have in Christ, the great high priest, the sacrifice for sin, our pioneer, and our brother in suffering and in resurrection and life. So what does it mean to build on this? To build a life and a community and a new purpose that we have been given. Now we will build. Let's read chapter 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God 
with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There are three phrases in here that each one begins with, let us, because of all that we have been given, therefore, brothers and sisters, let us. And it, there's three areas that are covered. It's so beautiful the way this works out. There's, there's the three aspects of life that we have. And the first one is God. The first thing he says is, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God, brothers and sisters, because of all that has been accomplished. Let us now do this thing. Let's draw near to God. The second one is about me, myself. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Because of all that has been done, let us draw near to God and let us grasp, hold this hope that we profess. And then about others, let us consider how to spur one another on towards love and good deeds and encourage one another. These three aspects, he's calling us to a certain action, activity that involves God, ourselves, and others. And what is that? It is worship. In light of all that has been done, there is nothing missing. He is calling us to worship, to draw near to God, draw myself near with my brothers and sisters. Let us, let us, let us. This is where we find this the realization, the embodiment of everything that he's told us up to this point is when we come into the place of worship with our brothers and sisters and we draw near together to God. So this, I don't wanna do a guilt trip today, okay? You remember I did the money sermon, but it wasn't the money sermon, it's not the money sermon, right? This is not the come to church every Sunday sermon, except it kind of is. But I don't want us to feel guilty about this. What this is is an invitation to experience the fullness of all that is in Christ and all that really can only be experienced in the messy, beautiful, the good and the badness of community, but particularly a community in worship. You know, typically we get super practical at the end of a sermon. It's when we round it all up and say, here's your activity that you, must, you may do to experience some of the meaning of this passage. This week I'm gonna get practical right here at the beginning. As Melody said, we're starting this season, this series called Summer of Love. I think the greatest thing for us to ever, to really realize in this day and age and any day and age is that Jesus loves us, that we are loved. That's what we're gonna be doing. And every single week, these doors will be open. They will not be locked. Like a welcome mat will be out for all. The coffee will be hot. The musicians will have been practiced and prepared to bring beautiful music to elevate our minds and our hearts, to cause us to sing praises to God together. The communion table will be laid out every single week. 
and a message from God's word will have been prepared, prayed over. What else is needed? You are. We are. I would like us to all consider our own habits of Sunday morning attendance because there's a really worrying trend in America where they say that regular attenders, those who consider themselves regular attenders at churches, typically come to church once or twice a month at best because we have so many other things we have to do. And I don't want to put words in this passage mouth that I could try and explain away. If I, often I want to, I read a passage, I'm like, well, maybe I could look at that a little slant and go, well, you know, it's kind of about when you go to the grocery store with your someone who's a Christian and you're in the meat aisle and you're like, isn't God good? You know, no, it specifically says, don't neglect meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but do it all the more. That word habit. Anyone got bad habits? Anyone got what they consider good habits? Yeah? This is a really amazing statement, uh, saying you may have heard by Lao Tzu, who's an Eastern philosopher, and it said, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, becomes your destiny. Our habits are what form us. We, 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 we practice something for a result, a consequence to become something. And, and, and the, the contents of our life is what leads us down this path to who we are becoming. You know, one of my greatest fears in life that is causing me in my 50s to think about my habits and my practices is that when you get older, they don't get better. Age doesn't naturally make all of your bad habits go away. In fact, I've noticed they get worse. I, and it's, I want to form myself. I want to be formed into someone who, you know, when I start losing my mind, the first thing out of my, my mouth will be something wonderful and beautiful, not all the things I've been hiding for years and to start becoming this crazy person screaming and swearing at people. He was such a nice pastor. Who is this guy? <laughs> so, so, you know, it's funny because you're all here. <laughs> you know, I just say, you get the list of anyone who's not here this Sunday, say, listen to this message. You might want to listen to this. But here's the thing. That is wonderful. But, but it's not just about coming to church. The author's not just like, hey, the law again, right? Jesus has risen, so get to church. You better be there. Sit in obedient lines and listen to the preacher. Sing the songs, then go home again. What he wants to do is remind us of how significant this act is, how life-giving even in the seemingly mundane nature sometimes of a Sunday morning when you can't keep your eyes open because my voice is so soothing and you're tired and you're thinking about all these things, heaven and earth are meeting here. God is present with us. And we are never more present to one another, to God, and even to ourselves than in this time which we call worship when we gather together intentionally taking our bodies into the place of worship, bringing them before God without shame, without guilt, without fear, with one another. So what do we do on Sunday mornings? What is this thing we do on Sunday mornings? Well, the text gives us so many ideas. So I just started thinking, what's it like? How could I describe this event that we have, which you do on a Sunday morning? And the first thing I thought is this, it's like a victory party. It is like a victory party. World War II ended 78 years ago. That's not long ago, is it? This, we come on Sunday to say, he is not just Easter, he is risen. 
We have the victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? It has been defeated. Second chapter of Hebrews, we heard this. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That is what we're experiencing on a Sunday morning. Remembering again that we were enslaved and we have been set free. Our chains are broken. Nothing can stop us any longer. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, by his blood, by his body. Why do we worship on Sundays? Anyone know? Anyone? Because the sports used to be on Saturdays. and <laughs> Why do you worship on Sundays? Okay, this is interesting. Sabbath was the Saturday typically, and for, for many people, even some Christian denominations, Saturday is still a day of worship. It's the Sabbath. We should worship on the Sabbath, it's a Sunday as, as the Lord's Day, because it's the day that Christ rose from the grave, according to Christian tradition. Therefore, on the first day of the week, the disciples gathered and were, they got the incredible news that the tomb was empty. And the one they had seen crucified, murdered, was alive, just as he said he would. That's why we worship today. This is a victory party every Sunday here, and you're invited every Sunday. Because all week long, we struggle with sin, and we need to be reminded of the temporary nature of that struggle because it has been taken care of. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We should do this every morning on Sundays, right? They'll be even more cultish, all wearing the same clothes and all, all doing this. <laughs> who are these people? I'm going to try a different church. Victory. Second thing, it's like a homecoming. I don't mean that thing that sports teams and stuff, I don't really, I'm not, you know, Scotland doesn't have such a thing, but I mean a homecoming. Like when someone has been in a far country and has gone through terrible things and finally steps over the threshold of the place that they call home and is embraced warmly. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with a full assurance that faith brings confidence, assurance. Every time we come here, we are coming, entering into a place, home. That song that, that the band, if you were here right at the beginning, uh, I'm going to make this place a home. This is a place where we can feel at home. Uh, Robert Frost said, home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Home is a place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. Those doors are not shut to anyone. Christ said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who are burdened, who are weary. Does this describe any of us? The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks, the door will be open to them. The one who asks will receive a homecoming. That wonderful hymn, which Melody talked about, Last time she preached about amazing grace and we sang it. Grace will lead me home. 
This is a rehearsal for that moment when we step into our true home, our heart's true home, the home that Christ said he was preparing for us. We rehearse this with the saints singing his praises together, tribes and tongues and nations, all generations. Welcome home. I don't like that actually when churches, specific churches say, hey, welcome home. But the church in some ways is like a place of home because you're welcome here. Just don't take any out of that fridge because we need it for... It's not the best thing when you go home to your parents, no matter what age you are, you just raid the fridge. It's that one place. Love it. So the third thing I think it's like on a Sunday morning is an open house. Similar but different. A new and living way opened for us. Any real estate estate agents here this morning? Nancy and Dan aren't here, are they? Anyone do real estate stuff? You know the open house thing where you go along and there's... Who, who has a habit of going to open houses as you're going along? I stop for garage sales. Anyone stop for open houses? Is that weird? Ron and I did that one time. It was a bit pushy, though, the sales thing. It's like an open house. Because there's, there's an element where if, if you just show up one day to kind of check it out, you know, you go in. There's a hospitality of saying, here are all the amenities. Here is this, here is that, here's the other. A gratuitous tour of the kingdom of God. Discover what God's people are like. But it's an open house. There is no condition other than stepping across the threshold. And you may discover a home. Fourth thing it's like is an AA meeting an AA meeting. Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Hello, my name is Grant, and I am a human being. Hi. Could I, could I share my story with you? Is that okay to be human here? Yeah, I think it is. And I'm really, really proud that that can be the case for this church, for these people. And I want you to feel that way. They always say, do the work. You know, one advantage that addicts have over the non-addicts is they know they have a problem. You know, they know that they have a problem. And often they know where to go to get help. And sometimes I think the church could do with being a bit more like an AA meeting with honesty, and a level ground. You go in that place, you assume everyone's just as messed up as you are, and they're not gonna be shocked by what you might say, because they've been down those rabbit holes, they've been in those places, and they are there for you, no judgment. All human beings together. And the wonderful thing about it also is there are sponsors there too. You know, we have our version of that. People who've been a human being longer than I have, been walking with God longer than I have. I could probably find in them some support and someone who's walked some of these roads. Like my journey with grief right now, you know, I, I, I've leaned on some of you guys. Like Chris, my brother Chris is, is a therapist and I haven't paid him a penny yet. Checks in the mail, Chris. But it's got nothing to do with his professional. It's the gifts God's given him, the skills God's given him, the places he's put him in. He's my brother. 
And just this week, I sat and I wept with him, and he told me some wise things. Because he doesn't judge me. He's a human being like me. We're on the level ground. At the foot of the cross, everyone's on the same level. And we're all human beings, and we need one another. We need one another. Okay, this is funner, this one. It's like a spa day. <laughs> Who likes a, who's had a spa day recently? What even is a spa day? That's a, like, women do that. The guys have spa days, anyone? Guys? A spa day. You know, Rana and my wife and her sister a couple of times went to this. It's a Turkish bath, right? Up in, Was- in Tacoma, Washington. And uh, apparently it never felt cleaner because the scrubbing and the, it's just like crazy cleaning of, like, till you're actually like raw, probably raw, you know, you're like several layers of skin off, but she's never felt better, right? Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And we come here on a Sunday morning, often we have picked up so much stuff from our life, from the world, We feel icky, we feel dirty, we feel bedraggled. There's moments sometimes where I feel literally the cleansing, whether I'm singing some of these songs that Ben and the team so beautifully lead us in, I feel a sense of cleansing. Every time we come here, that is the call. In some liturgical churches, they actually, they do confession Forgive me, Lord, for the things I've done, the things I've left undone. And then the pastor or priest will always say, at some assurance of forgiveness, you are forgiven. Our conscience can be cleansed. And in our everyday life, we don't think about that too much. We get stuck in these old system ways of religious, good column, bad column, trying to outweigh that one with this one. And you can come here and stand just as you are. Be told you are cleansed, you are innocent. You are free of guilt. Okay, next one. I have 27 of these, by the way, so. <laughs> I don't even know what number we're on. Number five. I think it's kind of like a New Year's Eve gathering, except without the drunkenness and the hats. It's, why is it like a New Year's gathering? Because it says, all the more, gather for worship, draw near to God, together with your brothers and sisters and do all the more you see the day approaching. What day approaching? The day of his return, the coming king. We could sit here on a Sunday morning and just, you never know, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And it is going to happen no, no New York ball will drop. The Lord will descend and every eye will see him. Every knee will bow and declare that he is Lord. We gather on Sundays anticipating that moment. Every week we come and we gather and we say, Lord, oh Lord Jesus, come. And wouldn't it be wonderful if he came when we were singing his praises and how less jarring the transition from that to that would be <laughs> were we in that space? expectancy, joyful expectancy to hear again the words that he is coming back. Okay, 
Next to last one. It's like a wedding ceremony. It's like a wedding ceremony. Stephen and Karen, they're not here today, are they? I'm concerned about them. I'll have to call them. Make a note, call Stephen and Karen. I did their wedding a few weeks ago on the promise that they would come to church regularly together as a couple. I'm not good at Steve's church. It's worrying me. Uh, and, and they made a covenant. And I believe that they will be true to the vows they've made. They made a covenant with God. They made a covenant to one another. And they made a covenant in the presence of all the witnesses who were there to see it. And in some ways, those who attended the wedding are also making a covenant to be there for them also. So the same thing again, these three aspects that let us, let us draw near to God. Because the way is open, we have this relationship, now this new covenant that's not by anything we have done, but simply by the grace of Christ who has opened the way that we can have this relationship. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. We make a covenant with ourselves. This is my desire to follow him. And then let us consider how we may encourage one another. I have commitments to you. I am not my own person. I belong to you. Who is my neighbor? You're my neighbor. I owe you a debt of love. I'm here for you, but I, and I need you. We're no longer individuals any longer. We have been we have been adopted into the family of God. We now are accountable to and for one another, to love one another. I grant, take thee, New Song Church, to me, my dearly beloved. I promise to serve you, to honor you, as long as I live, one body, fellowship. I just think we're too busy, <laughs> that's one thing. But also the, the, the whole consumerist mindset has crept into the church. You know, it has. We, it's hard to disentangle ourselves from that, from that mindset because it's so much part of everything that we do. Goods and services. You know, we dip into here, we dip into there. But that's not what this is about. Every single one of us, we're not consumers. We are participants and co-creators of community. I don't like actually we have to stand up here, seriously. This platform, maybe it's because you can see me and hear me better, but as far as I'm concerned, Bill is just as much a participant and a creator of the worship that we do on Sunday morning as I am. I have particular call, calling in my life and gifts to do that, but I value every person's participation. And that's what it's about, together. There's so many analogies that we think of, but I think it's exciting, and not just because I'm a pastor, but I find the, just the variety of a Sunday morning, it, it's stupendous to me. It's so comforting. And sometimes it's boring, and sometimes it's annoying, and it's weird, or I don't feel right. But what this tells us is that it's important. If we really want to experience the richness and the depth of Christ, then we come into worship as often as we can, and we will reap this beautiful blessing, growth, transformation as we do so. 
We're going to do communion now. Kind of the central way that this all comes together, you know, the concept of drawing near to God. Um, myself, but with my brothers and sisters. We do this every week because we think it's really important to take this moment. And, and so there's another metaphor about what we do on Sunday morning that I'd like to, us to consider as we think about taking communion this morning, and it's this. It's like a memorial service. It's like a memorial service. The blood of Jesus, his body, is the means by which we are the recipients of this incredible kingdom, of this grace, this forgiveness, this love. Paul said, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Think about it this way. Think about if there was a person who poured out everything in their lives to bless you, to help you, to care for you, and, and they passed away and you came into a place with your brothers and sisters and your friends, all who've been recipients of this incredible life to remember. You know, this is part of what we do on Sundays when we come for communion. Just that depth of thanksgiving to say, you did this all for me. Though being God, he did not consider it something to be used for his own advantage, but instead he became a servant. He poured himself out, even to death on a cross. So we're just going to do this in silence. We're not going to have any music. We're just going to let the weight of this rest with us. We'll take a little bit of time. And when you are ready, come at one of the stations in the front or the back and take a piece of bread and a little cup. Take it back to your seat. We'll take it together shortly. And just consider, as you do so, all these elements, that when we gather, it's like a victory celebration, that it's like a homecoming. You are welcome here. The door is open. It's like an open house. It's like an AA meeting. Hi, my name is Grant. I'm a human being. Same level ground as we come. We're walking on the same floor, bringing the same frail human person to receive life again. It's like a spa day where we are washed clean. All of our sin, it's gone. It's gone. Never, ever to be brought back again. As Melody shared, God's not going to go, oh, are you here again with that same problem again? God's incredible forgetfulness because of Christ, it is gone. It's like a New Year's Eve gathering. All the more as you see the day approaching, 
Like I said last week, whenever the, the, it's not that we are moving towards his return, it is rushing towards us. It's like a wedding ceremony. We do this again to embody this commitment that we've made. You say, I take this bread and I take this cup because I'm yours. You've given me life. And I take it gladly. So let's take some time. We'll just keep quiet as we do this. And let's come to the table and receive his body. You know, the root of all of this is relationship. <clears throat> That's really the whole, the whole thing. Uh, my relationship with God, which is complex. You know, it's hard even to get to know. I've been here for five years, and I still don't know all of you very mm -hmm. well. So it is... It's knowing God is a, is, a, is a large adventure. He is mystery, but also so intimately close with us. It's a lifelong journey. This is what part of this is. It's about relationship. I show up because I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you. And, and I want to know myself. I want to discover who I am. Who has God made me to be? And I want to know you. And I want to be known by you. And I just love the fact that when this was instituted, it was a rather small gathering of men who'd traveled together for several years and they probably got to know each other very well. And they were having a meal together. And they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. It's the God part. They didn't need to. We don't need to fully understand all of what this means right now. We simply need to know that it's something that, that we need, that we willingly participate in, and we let God do the rest. But we also do it together. That's why we waited for each other. I wait for you, you wait for me. We are brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Thank you so much, our Lord, our Father, our Savior, our Defender, our anchor in life and in death. Thank you for all you have accomplished for us. Therefore, let us draw near to you. Therefore, let us grasp hold this hope that we have, firmly implant it in our hearts, Lord, that we know that we are yours, that nothing can separate us from your love that is found in Jesus Christ. Not life, nor death, not sickness, nor anything else in this universe. And your, Lord, let us encourage one another. Thank you, Lord, for your body, which is given for us, for our life. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you gave everything when we were lost, you led us home and you opened the door to life, both now and everlasting. We take this cup in remembrance of you with thanksgiving. We all come here with a myriad host of different challenges right now. 
Our confidence is that God does know what you bring in here today, and he is working. Our confidence is that when we pray, he does hear, and he does answer. Amen. Amen. So we together now will draw near to God, and we will lift our voices and proclaim the hope that we have that is unshakable, because he is faithful. Let us sing together. Amen.